Rochester Today with Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Rochester Today. It's already Thursday. That means I am joined by the Tom Ostrom. Good morning, Tom. <laughs> Good morning, Andrew. <laughs> you, uh, you're looking chipper today. Oh, Thank you so much. So do you. Uh, so, uh, do you. so I guess we'll start out with the mailbag. What's in the mailbag, Tom? Well, the irrepressible, irreverent Babylon B satire. In a brief address to the nation, after once again testing positive for COVID, President Biden warned that we're now in a pandemic and have to be quadruply uh, vaccinated. He said, but more than that, four shots aren't enough anymore. You need at least five, uh, and uh, and it's not a joke. Uh, and don't criticize the science. Come on, man. The president is calling on everybody to get quintuple vaccinated, and uh, and he said again, we're following the science. The science is clear. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then uh, Rose, I felt bad when I heard China threatened to shoot down Nancy Pelosi's plane uh, for going to Taiwan. Um, I was thinking, is this the beginning of World War III? Um, I've never heard a newscast why she's, re why she's doing it, because she's defying the military and the president, as well as uh, President Xi in China. Why, why is she doing it? And I said, well, that's a good question, but uh, maybe to give China a heads up, China's getting very belligerent, and uh, maybe this is a heads up that uh, they'll have to deal with America if they invade Taiwan, and uh, maybe it's to dissuade them, but some people think it will encourage them. But if China invades Taiwan, the U.S. will be uh, involved. That was my answer to her uh, interesting questions. Uh, do you have a comment on that or anything? Andy, in the mailbags, if you want to comment, I wish you would, because we, otherwise we might forget what you wanted to say. <laughs> I, I don't you know. The answer is we don't know <laughs> why Nancy Pelosi chose this time. But I will note that she has long been a vocal critic of the Chinese Communist Party. Mm -hmm. And so it's not a new stance for her to be strong on Taiwan. Mm-hmm. Well, good. Well, she's defiant uh, toward uh, male leaders. I mean, she's defiant toward uh, President Trump. Uh, she was defiant toward the Archbishop of San Francisco that wouldn't give her communion. And she goes off to the Vatican and the Pope relents to let her have communion in a Vatican mass, for crying out loud. Uh, but she's defiant uh, with, with people and very bossy and very belligerent and likes to challenge males who are in authority. <laughs> but I'm, I'm with her on, on what she did. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's, it's interesting the words you use to describe her. But I, And I, I don't actually think she'd be upset with her you describing her that way. I mean, <laughs> she's kind of made a career out of being uh, a fighter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And regardless of what I think of her political stances, you have to admire her ability to hold the reins of power this long. Mm -hmm. It's just amazing. I mean, she has, she has lost the House leadership and she's regained the House leadership. 
She has fought back challenges from within her own party numerous times mm-hmm. and seems to come out stronger each time as far as her hold on political power. That's right. She's tough. She's a lot tougher and more persistent than McCarthy, the Republican House leader, uh, you know, and Mitch McConnell, the Senate leader. She's far more effective. Uh, uh, and as you say, she keeps her whole party in line. And the other part about this, um, I was just popped in my head as you and I were speaking, Tom, right now, that she's at that point in her career that she probably reached this point in her career a decade ago, but uh, she's got to be thinking awful lot about her legacy. And perhaps, you know, oftentimes our top national leaders look across the seas and foreign policy to set or, um, I guess, to try to establish a legacy. And maybe that will, what she has chosen, sure. being the um, being a pain in the backside of China is in right. what's got to be the twilight of her career. It has to be. I mean, it can't sure. go on forever. No. And like I say, she, she took on the Pentagon, General Milley. He didn't want this. Uh, the army, was, the military wasn't ready for it. Uh, President Biden didn't want it. And uh, yeah, she's, she's, she's tough. And of course, she's been uh, trying to destroy Trump for as long as Trump has been in politics. So uh, she's tough. Her, her daughter said that once. Uh, she said, it was, she said, while she's smiling, she can cut your head off. <laughs> <laughs> okay, more uh, mailbags. Jerry, Biden has created a permanent department now in the U.S. Postal Service to handle all return ballots um, that that are backed up uh, at the at the USPS. And he says the USPS will make sure that they get right to the proper party. Don't you think? I count on it. So I was thinking about that just last night with all of the difficulties that the U.S. Postal Service is facing with staffing issues and um, a variety of other factors that they have faced a bit of criticism lately about their uneven delivery. I've had it happen here. We've gone almost a week without having any mail delivered. Mm. And then all of a sudden it comes in a rush. And I'm sure it's because somebody went on vacation and there perhaps wasn't anybody or enough people to back up that person who was on vacation because you know how it is. If you know your route, you know your job really well. If somebody comes in and fills in for you, there's no way they're going to be of as efficient as you are. That's right. So it creates a backlog. But they, with the primary election a week away from now and people sending in their absentee ballots uh, in this final week, uh, any any problem with that with the post office could result in a whole bunch of ballots not reaching their proper destination in time. And they are unionized, and I think the hierarchy is, is pro-Biden, so uh, uh, there's that political element with them, too. But uh, you and I have a great respect for the postal workers, I do. postal carriers, and you go into a post office, things are quite complicated, and the postal carriers have a difficult job at all kinds of weather, and they're, and they're very professional. But, uh, but there's some politics uh, in the USPS. Uh, and uh, so uh, we have to admit that too. This from Wayne, core inflation, which does not include food and energy prices. The American people aren't buying the Biden's dismissal and saying inflation isn't here and recession isn't here. And now the Biden administration is redefining recession. 
Economists have defined recession as two quarters of negative GDP performance uh, for over 100 years, uh, two quarters of economic uh, contraction. The American people aren't going to buy this as the left-wing media tries to bail Joe out. And one more mailbag from our pal Cato. (laughs) He says, (laughs) Sir Thomas, (laughs) Nancy Pelosi is conveniently out of the country generating headlines on Taiwan at the very moment that her hubby has had his trial adjusted to a rookie judge after finding that there was an injury uh, and it uh, could be made a felony. And uh, and Cato is right to have us think about that. And I just read recently that uh, more than alcohol was found in his system. So uh, his troubles might not be over yet unless that rookie judge can be intimidated enough into, to solve their problems. That's the mailbag. Okay, that is the mailbag. We'll take a break and continue with Rochester Today, Thursday morning with Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. This is the Family Service Rochester Mental Health Minute. Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Rochester Today continues. Good morning. Well, welcome back, Tom. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, what do you have next? More local topics. Yes, uh, a wonderful article you wrote on the KROC uh, news website uh, on, on the 250 members of the Minnesota National Guard returned home after uh, deployment overseas, the airmen with the 148th Fighter Wing based in Duluth. And uh, and it's just wonderful to have them back. Uh, and we pay tribute to all of them who serve and go on these missions. I'm against nation building and I hope it stops but uh, they do their duty and uh, the 500 airmen with the 148th have been deployed for uh, quite a while and also i found then in pursuing this that 29 u.s service members from minnesota were killed during the war in afghanistan after 20 years and uh, uh, that's also tells us their dedication and patriotism and service but that was a good article you wrote andy giving them uh, tribute and it's a, a unit that often gets forgotten when uh, these types of deployments take place. A lot of times the Red Bulls, uh, when they get sent overseas, and they do get sent overseas a lot, the members of the 34th Infantry. Um, but I I think it's because they're spread out into all these communities that it gets a lot more attention when they're deployed than the uh, 148th, which is headquartered in Duluth. But it does pull people from all over the place. Uh, who both fly the aircraft and support the aircraft flight operations. It, it's a it's a very active National Guard unit, and they are on a very regular basis deployed to Southwestern Asia, uh, oftentimes for relatively short missions of three months, but it's still three months away from your family, three months away from your job, three months uh, away from your friends, and... Uh, yeah, they deserve uh, our thanks and recognition, that's for sure. I finally got to see that airbase. I didn't go in it uh, the last time I was up in Duluth, and they have some wonderful static displays outside the entrances of the aircraft that they fly today and have flown in the past. These big, um, you know, they took they take old out-of-commission aircraft and mount them on poles, basically, uh, and paint them up like they would be in combat. Mm-hmm. Uh, colors. It's it's pretty neat to see that. Mm-hmm, good. 
Well, that's that's wonderful. I have another article. Non-woke liberals describe living hell uh, oh. caused by Minneapolis homeless encampments. This is from Liz Collin, Alpha News. Several pages and horrible photographs. And, and, a, and a few women that said our houses were burned down. We went out of town, our houses were burned down. And one of them said, I'm a liberal, but I'm not standing for this. I want this enforcement. I want these people cleared out. But they get cleared out and they come back and they threaten us as neighbors and they've done great damage. And we've had fires and uh, uh, in, in, in houses destroyed. My, one lady said, doors kicked in, uh, we're threatened. And then if, if they threaten that if we're displaced, there's going to be more trouble and you'll be a target. She said, and the police and the governor aren't doing enough about it. And it's the drug dealers, human traffickers. They terrorize the encampments, but they terrorize us too. And we're just outraged by it. Uh, and uh, the police are overwhelmed about it. But the pictures are just horrible. And the posters threaten police and public works employees if they come to do anything about it. It's really a chaotic thing. And one lady said, I'm, I don't, the press isn't giving their names because they'd be targeted again. One said, I've been a liberal all my life, but I'm not a woke liberal. I'm a sensible liberal. Uh, and uh, this is just this just has to be stopped. And, and you just wonder if uh, Governor Waltz uh, will be blamed again for this and and uh, and uh, suffer in the in the election. And then the uh, uh, the the Alpha News asked federal asked the Minnesota PD if if the alcohol, tobacco, and firearms people aren't going to be called in because of this violence, and the the police didn't answer them. And they asked Governor Waltz for comments on these things, and he hasn't responded. Yeah, the. Uh... There were three homes that were completely destroyed recently, and they did, after the fires, they did clear out the homeless encampment that was nearby where those uh, residences were wiped out. But as that person who was interviewed for the article you mentioned, um, they started rebuilding the encampment within a matter of hours after it being cleared out. And it was, I read the same article, Tom, and it was interesting that the um, residents of that area we're calling out the quote-unquote activists who uh, are pressuring the city of Minneapolis not to clear out the homeless encampments and then uh, expressing sympathy for the people in the encampments whom they described, these would be the nearby residents, as the victims of what was happening, that they were being preyed upon by predators, essentially, the drug dealers, sex traffickers, and others while these activists and their actions seemingly protected the predators. Mm -hmm. it, it was, uh, it was, I read the, th it was a very interesting article, but I can't imagine being subjected to that. You couldn't sell your home. Who's going to buy it? Yeah. You're stuck. Yeah. That's terrible. The, the mob is winning. And then uh, article by Jim Hoff, uh, Jim Hoff, a Minnesota pharmacist is on trial after refusing to supply the morning after pill. He said it violates his beliefs and he tells uh, pharmacy customers to find a pharmacist that will fill it. And so uh, uh, he's in trouble now with the law and uh, uh, and a judge that's going to be at the, his trial uh, will said he was allowed to explain his religious beliefs but not in such a manner to confuse the jury and to think this is a religious freedom contest. But huh? uh, I'm not going to give the pharmacist's name, but uh, again, uh, 
people have options uh, and and people in the states have options but a pharmacist uh, is put on on trial for um, doing what he did it is a civil trial um this is actually a lawsuit not a criminal trial so the but yeah. he faces the loss of revenue probably his job and other things uh it's a twin cities woman this is actually up in northern minnesota where this pharmacist works Mm-hmm. And it's a woman from Egan who filed this lawsuit claiming that it was a violation of the Minnesota Human Rights Act. And it is, it could go either way because it's a direct conflict here. This individual's religious beliefs versus this person arguing that uh, she's being discriminated against based on her gender because this pharmacist's refusal to hand over the morning after pill, essentially. Yeah. But. As you pointed out, this pharmacist also directed this person that the next pharmacist that was coming on duty for him, replacing him, would be willing to supply her with that pill. And I believe it would be the next morning, but apparently that was not good enough for this person filing the lawsuit. And now that's related. I'm going to jump to national news here. The U.S. Department of Justice and Attorney General Garland is going to defy the Supreme Court decision on Roe Wade, and they're suing Idaho over its anti uh, its abortion ban. Now, here states are supposed to decide these things, but the Garland is going to go after Idaho because they've got very strict anti-abortion rules. So, uh, the establishment just doesn't want to rest uh, on on this uh, Roe Wade decision. We could talk about that later when uh, a little bit more when we talk about the primaries that took place across the country mm-hmm. that uh, out in Minnesota because ours is next week but there were certainly several primaries and the abortion issue was a big issue in these primaries so we can tackle that a little bit later on anything else quickly from Minnesota news how much time have we got about a minute Maybe a minute or so okay I can do two items that are, are important the president of the federal reserve bank in minneapolis said economists keep getting surprised after each new inflation report and he was on national tv saying we are surprised inflation is very concerned it's unpredictable it's increasing wages are going up but not as fast as inflation so americans are losing wages losing income and uh, and the federal reserve uh, is very concerned about it and uh, uh, so uh, that's a problem. And then a poll indicated that inflation is the top issue for Minnesota voters. Uh, uh, this from Alpha News, uh, Anthony uh, Gakowski. Inflation is the most important issue to Minnesotans in a recent poll uh, released by gubernatorial candidate Dr. Scott Jensen's campaign. And uh, he's closing in on Waltz is just a four point advantage, disadvantage, advantage. Uh, to Waltz, uh, so that has been closed. But inflation, Andy, voters understand it, know it, and despise it. I don't know how you wouldn't understand it. You <laughs> you feel it every time you go out and purchase almost anything in the world today. It, uh, your dollar does not go anywhere near as far as it went just a year ago, and uh, it, the, the issue won't go away. It's one that, despite whatever the Biden administration does, or the Federal Reserve does, uh, when you come to November, inflation will 
it may not be as high as as it is now, but it will still remain very high by that point, at least from all the economist predictions I've seen. We have to take our break for news. We'll be back and uh, chat some more with Tom Ostrom on this Thursday edition of Rochester Today. News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Are you worried about maintaining your lifestyle in retirement? Our Thursday show. I'm Andy Brownell and I, well, Tom, what's next, I guess? Well, the primary elections nationally, there's there have been uh, uh, Republican complaints again about uh, absentee ballots uh, not having signatures and uh, that uh, they're being overlooked. But Trump's endorsements uh, triumph for the most part. And we don't have time to mention candidates or states, but Trump was largely successful. The people he endorsed uh, in their various offices in various states uh, came out on top he just lost a few of those elections and uh, again i don't have it assessed enough to give the details nor do we have time on the states and the candidates but uh, there seems to be that little bit of a red wave that people have prophesized well the other the other flip on that though was i believe it was kansas that had a vote on what was a constitutional amendment it would have cleared the way for the state legislature to enact a ban on abortions, and that was pushed back by the voters. And a lot of folks were surprised by that, and that suggests that perhaps the abortion issue might be a more potent issue than uh, some had you know, calculated as we head into the primary election. And uh, I imagine that Democratic strategists are looking at that and probably are going to double down on the abortion issue. I, I did see some polling, too, that showed that the abortion issue is appearing higher on the list of concerns of voters than it was maybe a month or even two months ago. It was previously way down the list and now uh, higher, um, probably anywhere between 15 to 20 percent of voters saying that they thought it was one of the key issues that they would be looking at and deciding who to vote for in the November election. But beyond that, the inflation issue and the economic issues were way above that as far as what was concerning voters. And the issue uh, has reflected itself. Justice Clarence Thomas uh, has been a, uh, a professor at George Washington University lecturing uh, for several, many, for many years, and 11,000 people signed a petition calling for him to be removed after uh, voting to overturn Roe Wade. And so Thomas himself has uh, removed himself from that faculty assignment, uh, whether that's intimidation or whether that's a uh, uh, worry about physical uh, danger and threats. The point is they. Uh, he he did resign from his position then, uh, but uh, George Washington University and especially famous law professor Turley are outraged by it. And they said he could stay if he wishes. He can come back if he wishes. We want open uh, discussions and free speech uh, in a law school. But uh, Thomas canceled himself out. Oh, okay. I have no insight on that at all. I wonder if that will be something you'll see other justices do as well concerning the you know the tensions involved in the public life nowadays going in and making public appearances 
Sure. And Lynn Cheney wants to subpoena his wife before that January 6th committee because uh, his wife, Jenny, was active in uh, endorsing a, a pushback on the electoral count and and, and talked to uh, Republican officials in the White House about how important it was to challenge that. So Lynn's Cheney, Lynn Cheney thinks he's got uh, uh, them in trouble. Uh, but other people have said uh, her, her life is private, her politics are private, and uh, Justice Thomas shouldn't be punished by that. But that issue keeps going, and so does the January 6th committee. Yes, it does. On and on and on. Uh, what do you want to cover next? Well, uh, the Gateway Pundit uh, is a news organization, and they and other entities are suing trying to get the Jeffrey Epstein uh, log books out. Remember the uh, Lolita Island of a prominent politician, oh, yeah. born and domestic, uh, uh, went to that island and had alleged uh, relations with uh, underage girls. And, and uh, some entities and Republicans and this journalistic organization wants to get the list of people who visited that island and they shouldn't be protected as they have been. Yeah, that's a hot, 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 hot potato there. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, it it does speak of conspiracy theory, but the Epstein thing was real. Uh, mm-hmm. And there was a place like this. And it's been already documented that many high-profile people had gone to that island, whether or not they knew what was happening there as far as his, his, his nefarious criminal sexual conduct is concerned is open question but it's also been pointed out that while Epstein was up to his no good there are plenty of people within the beltway who were uh, you know the, the the rumor mill was very very active about Epstein and what people were saying about what he might have been doing so it seems as if there was some general suspicions about his activities before the actual criminal cases uh, were brought forward in civil lawsuits. So that's that's one of those lists that may be just as red as it is blue. Oh, sure. Yeah. Which is why higher-ups are concealing it. And his death is still a mystery. It's funny that the prison cameras were off uh, at the time of his demise. I know. <laughs> and every time you... You, you want to quash any crazy conspiracy theories you hear out there. You come to this Epstein thing <laughs> and you go, yeah, I know. I don't, you know, what do you, it's just a coincidence. Everything is just uh, bad luck and a coincidence in this case. And then, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. That story. Yep. Yeah. That's one that it's will live down of oh, generations to come. I'm sure it'll be some sort of saying at some point, you know, don't Epstein me. They still say that. Oh, yeah. That's all I have on that. Okay. <laughs> How much time we got in this segment? Keep going. Several more minutes. George Soros, the uh, Hungarian-American billionaire whose money has gotten many uh, woke uh, district attorneys and prosecutors elected to office, secretaries of state, too. He wrote in the Wall Street Journal, a national paper and a conservative paper, that uh, that uh, that he's he's not going to stop backing woke DAs despite urban crime spikes, and he 
tried to out- outline why he won't stop. But he's been a source of trouble as far as people are concerned about uh, prosecutors who are lenient with serious violent offenders. It's his, you know, it's his money, and I guess he gets gets to spend it the way he wishes to spend it. A lot of people may disagree with his choices and the ability of people to accept that money, but uh, he certainly uh, has become a powerful figure behind the scenes is in our political landscape. That's right. So I guess we'll move on and uh, take a break and talk about some of the things happening across the world, including the impact of Nancy Pelosi's travels. We'll do that when we come back with more of Rochester Today on this Thursday with Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. This is the Family Service Rochester Mental Health Minute. It's Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Rochester Today continues. We have a few more moments left, Tom, and uh, certainly I... I don't know. I guess I'm going to ask you, what did you think about the Chinese response to Nancy Pelosi's visit? Was it was it less or more than you expected? I think she uh, outmaneuvered them and it was less than they had said we should expect if it happened. Uh, they're harping and moaning about it in China and the leaders are irritated by it and they're repeating their disappointment and how the U.S. is playing with fire. Uh, And they did send some fighter uh, planes and bombers right next to Taiwan's border. uh, And and, uh, some naval uh, ships, too, came close. But uh, they're furious about it. But I think they were outmaneuvered, outfoxed, and uh, uh, and, want to... I don't know if they will withdraw their horns or if they're trying to figure out what to do next to frighten the West and to, and Taiwan. I saw an interesting um, reference concerning the fighter jet uh, flights so close to that dividing line that is apparently uh, that has been more or less respected by the Chinese for a long, long time. And it said that there were 27 incursions by Chinese military aircraft over this 24-hour period in that certain uh, geographic location. And then it said, that is, this was the Wall Street Journal report, that was the most since, I think it was a date in June. So that kind of level of activity isn't all that unusual, in other words. It just, it happened prior to this rise in tensions. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they did say that the military exercises that China has ordered surrounding Taiwan, not completely surrounding Taiwan, but you know what? Leaving Taiwan with limited, uh, I guess, corridors for both air traffic and ocean-going vessels, uh, because these are going to be live fire exercises starting today, Uh it does look like something that could become a blockade if you wished it to be because the gaps are not that wide in what the uh, Chinese are doing. And that is an even larger uh, response of this sort since 
Who was it who went to Taiwan in the mid-1990s that angered them so much? Was it the vice president? Well, I think Newt Gingrich was the last high U.S. official that... Uh, well, that would be the mid-1990s, yeah. Yeah, I think... So maybe it was Newt, but they had a similar response to that with these military exercises around Taiwan, but uh, the Wall Street Journal says this will be larger than that as a display of their ability and and there was speculation that the chinese might do some live missile firing over taiwan which i don't know if they've ever done that before but -hmm. at the same time it's not it's not a direct risk of a military confrontation it's well there was courage rattling and there was courage on pelosi's part that her aircraft landed in, in the dark of night she has a congressional delegation with her too I don't know if any Republicans are there or on her list to 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 come, but she just said we stand by uh, Taiwan. We've been a, an ally of Taiwan's and we trade with them, and they give them military equipment too. And America stands with Taiwan. She showed more courage, uh, I think, and policy backbone than Biden did, than the military did, uh, and uh, uh, really surprising. I think she pulled it off, and the Chinese are scrambling a little bit. And the other aspect of this that doesn't get a lot of coverage is that Xi is in the process of trying to consolidate his power and they have a Chinese constitutional meeting coming up very soon, uh, maybe a month or so, I believe. And he will be trying to continue on in his leadership position for a third term, which has never apparently happened under the current Chinese constitution. So it would require a reworking of it which is a function of not the electorate, but of the Chinese Communist Party, that he would have to have enough support within that party to do this. At the same time, though, there's a lot of discontent within China about his leadership because of what's happening sure, the economy. in regards to the pandemic lockdowns, the economic slowdowns, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. the crackdown on civil liberties that is occurring there. People are, people are taking notice that... Sure. But at the same time, uh, I don't know if they have any power to do anything about it. Well, she wants to be reelected, so uh, he's just, he's hurting the economy, wanting to reimpose communist extremism uh, from the capitalist tinges that the economy had. And uh, but I think he's back on his heel. Uh, but I hate to give Pelosi all his credit. I've heard, <laughs> but but I say she exemplifies. <laughs> What many conservative women show in Congress, these conservative women, I said, and Pelosi are tougher than the men. Uh, a lot of conservative women, I'm really enjoying their pushback to the media, their pushback on their rhino colleagues. I think it's time for a woman president. I think the men have lost their backbone trying to be liked. And, and these women are the principled ones uh, in the Democrat Party, but even more so in the Republican Party. They... Uh, so, uh, you know, maybe it's time we had a woman president like Margaret Thatcher was prime minister in Britain. All right, Tom. I'm going to get in trouble on some of that, I think. <laughs> that, that's what I think. Okay. Let's, let's move on to another topic. Okay. Well, the U.S. Defense Secretary has approved treatment of wounded Ukrainian soldiers at, at the major uh, military hospital in Germany. Uh the Landstuhl Regional Medical Center. Uh, no uh, Ukrainian soldiers have been sent there yet. They've gone to uh, civilian hospitals, 
but uh, that's a, a stepping stone to help them with the costs of war. And then um, this monkeypox uh, that's that's occurring, it's a disease in Britain and in the United States and elsewhere. And because it affects gay men and gay behavior, some of the left-wing media doesn't know how to handle it. And people are saying, well, you're biased or bigoted if you point out that it's predominantly the result of gay behavior. And, and some I've watched how news organizations cover it, and often they don't mention the population that's so vulnerable. They just talk about it. But uh, the, the chief of the World Health Organization, uh, Tedros, he tells, ask, he tells at-risk men to reduce their sexual partners for the moment or abstain and all that. And again, there's a politically correct element to the population, but the victims uh, of the disease are increasing in the United States. Uh, California is really uh, concerned about it, and the governor there is spoken out about what must be done. But it's a health issue, and... Uh, uh, I think uh, politically correct issue, Andy. Well, it's uh, ironic that you brought that up today. Um, Osterholm, the epidemiologist for the University of Minnesota, and it'd be interesting to see if he faces a backlash over this, but he has gave interviews yesterday and made statements uh, this week that uh, he described the monkeypox, spread of monkeypox as largely... He said, to be honest, it's largely a sexually transmitted disease. He goes, I'm sorry, and we're talking facts here. And he pointed out what you pointed out, that um, most of the people, the vast, vast, vast majority of the people who have contracted the illness, which is not a high risk of being a fatal illness, just a very, very uncomfortable and painful illness, uh, are what he described as hyperactive gay men and he took pains to note that there are many people in the gay population who are really not at risk of this because they do not have a high number of partners and that that's where it is spreading and this was Osterholm saying this so I, I wonder I wonder if he'll feel some heat <laughs> from the political the for being frank about this. Mm -hmm. And politics is part of medicine. It was the COVID thing, it was the vax thing, um, and it's this. Uh, and, and many physicians are trying to figure out uh, in the grooming of children, the medical profession is right in the middle of some of these issues and trying to craft their answers and be independent and yet not get nailed by the mob. So medicine is under attack uh, and very vulnerable in these political times. All right, with that, highly controversial topic. I think we have to sign off for the day. <laughs> Good. <laughs> All right, Mr. Ostrom. Uh, yeah, we'll talk to you next Tuesday, Tom. Have a great weekend. You too. All right. That is Tom Ostrom. I'm Andy Brownell. It's in Rochester today on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Almost 3 million people use Navaj to breathe better, sleep deeper,